Hello, you're listening to Deep North News, the weekly news podcast of Iceland Review, Iceland's longest-running English-language magazine. I'm Andy Sophia Fontaine, and these are the week's top stories in Iceland. First up on Deep North News, tensions are now rising along class lines as to whether or not it's safe to return to Grindavík. As reported, management for over 100 Grindavík businesses recently implored the government to open up the town to inhabitants again, saying that if businesses in town died, it would essentially be the death of Grindavík. The town of 3600 has been more or less evacuated since last November due to increased seismic activity, open crevasses, eruptions, and even lava flow having done considerable damage to the town's infrastructure, but business leaders remain eager to get their employees back to work. This sentiment is not shared by all, namely Hörður Gurbrenson, chairman of the Grindavík Workers' Union. He pointed out that the town's infrastructure is still in a state of disrepair and may not be able to handle the strain of everyone returning. Furthermore, there is still the danger of crevasses and sinkholes which have not been thoroughly mapped out yet. He called the decision irresponsible and compared it to suddenly doing away with traffic laws but telling everyone to just be careful instead. The charges are not without merit, as recent examinations of Gnindavik streets indicate there may be three large empty spaces underneath three of its streets. The entire question may be moot as it is. Scientists believe that seismic activity in the area is giving indications that yet another eruption may be coming within the next week or two. Speaking of unions, collective bargaining negotiations between Iceland's major labor unions and the Confederation of Icelandic Enterprise are off to a rough start, with their first meeting in two weeks cut short. Encouragingly, both sides have reached an agreement regarding wages, but they remain at odds over one point in particular, length of contracts. To elaborate, management tends to favor longer collective bargaining agreements as these contracts lock in details such as wages and salaries, while unions tend to favor shorter agreements in order to be able to negotiate for new wage agreements if, for example, inflation and interest rates exceed what stipulated wages can reasonably afford. During these most recent talks, unions agreed to four-year contracts but wanted a clause included that would allow for new negotiations if inflation and interest rate goals were not met. Management refused, and so it's effectively back to the drawing board. The Icelandic government is aiming to add further restrictions to its regulations on the processing of applications for international protection. The broad strokes are these. Processing times will be shortened to 90 days, so-called efficient deportation will be implemented, and special residencies will be created for asylum applicants. As there are already residences for these applicants, these new residences will be more in line with what Minister of Justice Gudrun Hafsteinsdottir wanted, detention centers that restrict freedom of movement and allow for greater ease in deportations. These measures are not without their critics. Author Jon Freeman Jonsson recently pointed out that while the Icelandic government talks about not being able to bear the burden of asylum seekers, that it does not make these same remarks about immigrants from within Europe who vastly outnumber asylum applications. The government also doesn't make these criticisms about asylum seekers from Ukraine. Rather, the roughly 1,000 people per year from outside of Europe who apply for asylum in Iceland, the vast majority of whom will end up deported, are the people the Icelandic government says are too great a strain on the system. Bearing in mind that the vast majority of those applying for asylum in Iceland want to work, but are in almost all cases prevented from doing so by Icelandic law, unless of course their applications are accepted, the confusion about burdens to the system grows further. 
That said, these new asylum regulations contend that they would use the money saved from processing asylum applications by putting it into areas such as Icelandic lessons for children, increased human resources for new arrivals, and making entrance easier for self-employed people who come from outside the European economic area. Five MPs for the Independence Party have submitted a parliamentary proposal that Decode Genetics conduct research that traces the genetic markers of the Turkish abductions. For the unfamiliar, the Turkish abductions refer to a series of raids conducted in the summer of 1627 by Barbary pirates, mostly hailing from Morocco and Algeria, against Gudindivik, the Eastfjords, and the Westman Islands. Despite the name, no Turks were actually involved. The Icelandic word Tirkia was at the time a general term for any Mediterranean Muslims. The raids resulted in 50 deaths and close to 400 Icelanders captured. Many of them died of illness, about 50 were bought back through ransom, and the remainder were sold into slavery. This parliamentary proposal aims to investigate genetic markers of these raids, both in Icelanders in Iceland, as well as in the Algerian population. The proposal also aims to raise a memorial on the Westman Islands, where the raids were particularly bloody. A new bill from the Ministry of Justice would, if passed, expand police powers, but the ideas within this bill have already been harshly criticized by the Icelandic Bar Association, amongst many others. In a nutshell, the bill will give the police the power to conduct surveillance of individuals who have not committed a crime, nor are suspected of having committed a crime. Rather, the police would be able to run surveillance on people they believe may, at some point in the future, commit a crime, or who might have ties to criminal organizations. No court order would be required for this kind of surveillance, although it would only be allowed in public spaces, not private homes. Pirate Party MP Arndes Anna Kristina Dottir pointed out that this bill does not grant any kind of independent oversight of the police, while at the same time expanding their police surveillance powers to include people who have not, nor are suspected of, having committed a crime. Sigurd Örn Hilmason, the chairman of the Icelandic Bar Association, in speaking about an earlier version of this bill, said that a better idea would be to create an intelligence organization dedicated to investigating more serious offenses, such as organized crime and terrorism. In lighter news, if you've ever struggled with Icelandic grammar, there's now a new tool for your arsenal. The DMII Core, which is based on the Database of Modern Icelandic Inflection. As anyone who has learned a new language can tell you, vocabulary is one thing, grammar is quite another. And in Icelandic, where there are four cases and three genders, getting inflections right can be a downright maddening process. This is where the DMII core comes into play, outlining the inflections of over 50,000 Icelandic words. This app is now available on both Google Play and the Apple App Store. Lastly on Deep North News, arguably Iceland's most famous indoor flea market is looking for a new home. If you've ever visited Reykjavik, you have probably visited Kolaportið, a sprawling indoor flea market where you can buy practically anything, from candy to fish to wool sweaters to antique coins, and have yourself a waffle and a coffee besides. It's been a Reykjavik mainstay for over 30 years and now seeks a new space to occupy. This new space will need to be pretty large. The current space is over 200 square meters. In addition, it would need to be a space for both tourists and Icelanders alike, and not just in terms of the things that you can buy there. The lifeblood of Kolaportith is being able to rent a stall for a reasonable price. In the meantime, Kolaportith will continue to exist at its current location near Reykjavik Harbor 
and you should definitely pay to visit the next time you're in town. Next on Deep North News, the weather this weekend. Friday is going to see mostly sunny skies for all but the northeast corner of the country, with light winds and temperatures just above freezing. Come Saturday, temperatures will be dropping as winds coming from the north begin to pick up speed. Expect clouds in the southwest and northeast, but partly sunny skies in the northwest and southeast. As we move into Sunday, the sun is going to shine brightly across pretty much the entire country, but you better bundle up as temperatures are going to plummet into the double digits below zero. Clouds will move into the southwestern half of the country by late afternoon, with some dusting of snow in the south. As for road conditions, bear in mind that the highlands are closed for the season, so don't try driving up there unless you're in a glacier tour group with the right vehicles for the job. Also, roads are slippery around most of the coastline, with some snow in the north and spots of ice in the southwest. For all your weather and road condition needs, you should visit weather.is and road.is respectively, but also add safetravel.is to that list. Through Safe Travel, you can get up-to-the-minute updates on conditions all over the country, whether we're talking about weather, natural disasters, or other variables. Save yourself time, money, and trouble by checking weather.is, road.is, and safetravel.is before heading out anywhere in Iceland. And that's all for me today here at Deep North News. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe, and while you're at it, Check out IcelandReview.com for more of the latest from Iceland in travel, news, culture, and more. Speak to you again next Friday, folks. Be good to each other.